0: Welcome back to another episode. Do me a favor, tap your left foot. Okay, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. In either case, what really just happened? Did your mind tell your brain do or do not tap the foot, and then your brain controlled the leg? Or did your brain decide on its own what to do, and then tell your mind how to think about what just happened? We all think it's the former. I tell my body what to do. What about reflexes? Okay, sure, there's an exception. What about psychoactive substances? You can't choose whether or not to trip balls. Another exception. What about addiction? Another exception. My goal is to convince you that these exceptions are actually the rule. We are made aware of some of the brain's decisions, rather than the brain becoming aware or subject to our decisions. Buckle in, because it gets creepy. Let's get started. Before we begin today's episode, I want to tell you that if you like this content and you want to support me, there are links to my Patreon, Venmo, and more in the description on Spotify, or you can go to my YouTube channel and click in the link in the banner that says Support the Channel. You can also check me out on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Just search Planet Peterson on those platforms. Okay, back to the episode. This is and isn't an episode about free will. It is definitely an episode about the relationship between our conscious understanding and our decisions, but I'm not going to invoke the existence of free will. At the end of this episode, you either will decide that free will exists, or you will have no choice but to accept that it doesn't exist. Sometimes I debate free will, and my interlocutor pretty much always says, you are choosing to have this conversation right now. I agree that's how we all think about it, but again, the question is, what is the relationship between decisions and awareness? It's plainly obvious that the brain does all kinds of things that create thoughts in our minds. Try as you might, you cannot make a sharp object feel like liquid water. Here's an experiment we can do together. I'm going to say something, and I want you to hear it, but don't let your mind record it. Here we go. Cookie Monster. I'm guessing that didn't work. This time, think about whatever you want. I'll just give us about five seconds of awkward silence. Let's talk about what happened. You didn't know what you were going to think of. You didn't tell your brain Hey, form thoughts about blank. That gets the order of events backward. Instead, the unconscious brain was stimulated and delivered you some abstract mental manifestation of whatever it happened to be. In essence, we have a series of unconscious physical events that, in a bottom-up way, produced our conscious state. If you're skeptical of what I'm saying, you may counter with, yes, but I'm aware of everything I'm doing. Plus, if I tell myself to pick up a pencil and do it, it's my conscious self guiding my physical body. To present the other side of the argument, we'll have to talk about how the brain works. You probably already know this, but the left hemisphere of your brain controls the right half of your body, and vice versa. However, the hemispheres are not exactly the same. Certain tasks take place almost exclusively in one hemisphere or the other, in nearly everyone, Speech is controlled by two clusters of neurons in the left hemisphere, called Broca's area and Wernicke's area. Neuroscientists call this lateralization, when one hemisphere controls a particular function. But it's not just our ability to express ideas in writing or speech that the left brain does. The left brain appears to be where our conscious awareness of our own thoughts comes from. You may think that a thought, by definition, must be a conscious one, but we use the entire brain to process, store, integrate, and retrieve information. All of your brain can have thoughts, but only the left brain can express them and be aware of them. Let me show you the proof. This left-brained awareness is what has been called the interpreter. Michael Gazzaniga an American neuroscientist, pioneered most of our knowledge of it. Gazzaniga developed his concept through his work with split-brain patients. These are individuals who had undergone surgical separation of their brain's hemispheres in an attempt to reduce severe epileptic seizures. The two hemispheres are connected by a dense bundle of fibers called the corpus callosum. The corpus callosum is what is separated in split-brain patients. With the hemisphere split, the right brain's thoughts have no way of telling the left brain interpreter about them. Gazzaniga's studies on such patients discovered some fascinating features about how our brain hemispheres function independently and together. The left brain interpreter refers to the propensity of the brain's left hemisphere to construct a coherent narrative from events and experiences. Normally, the right hemisphere which controls the left side of the body and processes visual and spatial tasks, would respond to stimuli, and the left brain interpreter would construct a narrative to explain those responses. But split brain patients cannot do this. Without the right hemisphere being able to communicate with the left brain interpreter, the person is completely unaware of what the right brain is thinking. Here's what that looks like. First, I need to clear something up. Our eyes work in a weird way. Images from the left visual field enter through the pupil and strike the right side of the retina. Images from the right visual field do the opposite. The left brain does not receive input from the right eye. It receives input from the right visual field. In essence, the right half of the retina of both eyes sends signals to the left brain and vice versa. If this is too confusing, just Google retina brain mapping and you'll see exactly what I mean. If your eye looks straight ahead and an image in our left visual field appears, that information will go to our right brain. If someone asks us, what did you see? Our right brain gives the information to the left brain interpreter and we answer the question. Split brain patients cannot do this. They are incapable of telling you what they saw, because as far as they are concerned, there was no image. But does the brain still see, process, and store the information? Here's how you find out. Ask them to draw what they saw with their left hand. Incredibly, they are capable of doing this with no problem. However, when asked why they drew what they did, they often have no idea. The right brain knows exactly what it saw, but cannot make the person aware. If you think that's creepy, it gets worse. Take a split-brain patient and show them two images, one on the right, one on the left. If you ask them what they saw, they will only give you one answer, not two. However, ask them to point to what they saw from a collection of images, and the right hand will point to what the left brain saw, and vice versa. Again, if you ask them why their left hand pointed to the image it did, they often have no answer, but not always. One patient was shown images of a chicken claw and a snowy scene. They were then asked to point to two images that were related to what they saw. The subject pointed to a chicken and a shovel. When asked why they pointed to a shovel, the subject said to scoop chicken poop out of the chicken coop. In reality, the left hand pointed to the shovel because the right brain saw the snowy image. But the patient didn't know this. The explanation they gave was perfectly rational, but it wasn't true. Similar results with different images have been found. What makes this information so uncomfortable is I don't see any good reason to think only split-brain patients go through this kind of thing. I think our brain's ability to talk to the interpreter short-circuits all the time. How many of us know why we like what we like and don't like what we don't? How many of us know why we have a certain style or do some of the idiosyncratic things we do? For example, if you give me a pen, I will chew on it. I can't not chew on it. If you ask yourself or other people these questions, you'll usually find that at the bottom of the barrel is a simple, I don't know, I just do. I think our brain also does it to preserve our egos. Take politics, for example. You can use real or fake data, it doesn't matter, to unequivocally show people that their political opinion is false. How do people respond? They overwhelmingly double down on their beliefs. This is a controversial take, and I'm happy to be wrong, but I suspect our unconscious mind just won't tell our conscious mind what it knows to protect our ego. As a person who has made debating a hobby, I regularly encounter situations where people contradict themselves. Nobody can possibly believe in a contradiction and take themselves seriously. So what does that mean? Normally it means they're lying or are mentally ill. Or maybe they're just trolling. I don't think that's what this is, though. I think it's a failure to reckon with the unconscious mind. This is exactly what happens in split-brain patients. But ask yourself if you think you can actually know everything that your brain knows. As I hope my previous examples showed, we construct a rational narrative around what we think and what we do in response to what we think and what we do not as a way to guide our thoughts or actions. Not only are we unaware of most of our thoughts, but we literally make them up as we go. In the process of making it up as we go, we lie to ourselves. I misremember things all the time. I'll read or hear something and think, no, that's not right, it's this instead. I will distinctly remember seeing it on a TV show or reading it in a book. To my horror, when I fact check myself, I find that nothing I said was correct. My interpreter invented a rational explanation for some implicit bias that I thought was an objective fact. I'm going off script here because this literally happened to me today after I wrote this script. We were doing some cleaning in the house and I needed to get our portable pet cleaner. I've only ever used it one time. It's in the garage. And I asked my fiance, where's the green pet cleaner? Is it in the garage? And she said, we don't have a green pet cleaner. I said, yeah, we do. I've used it before. I went in the garage and lo and behold, there it was. It's red and gray. And I freaked out about this. I said to her, this is exactly what I just got done writing about. And I just did it. And she said that, On the TV, there was a commercial where somebody was using a green pet cleaner, and so I don't remember that, but apparently that's what made me think ours is green. I also see no reason to believe the interpreter asks for information from the rest of the brain, which the brain then obediently delivers to the interpreter. I'm much more inclined to think the interpreter peeks at what the rest of the brain is doing and then constructs a logical explanation for it. We don't control what our unconscious or subconscious does. We can only try to explain what's going on. With all that in mind, what should we do? Although it seems hypocritical, I live my life as if I am in charge. But I try to be aware of my biases whenever I am thinking about or doing important things. By thinking intentionally, I can hope to tap into some of the wisdom that my unconscious brain, hopefully, possesses, so as not to let my biases, which come more naturally, run the show. The American psychologist Jonathan Haidt makes the comparison of the rider and the elephant. The elephant is our unconscious mind. It runs the show and will go where it wants to, if it wants. But the rider can guide the elephant. It's nowhere near as powerful and it can't make it break its own rules, but that doesn't mean it can't make the elephant go somewhere it might not have if otherwise left alone. Many people think if this is all true, it undermines our social systems. What's the point of having a justice system if we aren't even responsible for our actions? To me, this is exactly backward. We're not just the product of our brains. Your brain is not a separate conscious agent that does not interact with the environment. The environment shapes our brains, and our experiences shape our brains and therefore who we are. We all know this. Let's say we want to reduce crime. If we know there are factors that lead to less crime, shouldn't we pursue them? Yes, but that's to admit the environment doesn't just influence us, but causes changes. If we all were free to make our own decisions, why bother changing anything about the way we structure society? Would the same number of people be murdered whether or not there were loaded guns on every street corner because people choose to murder? No, that's stupid. So to me, the arguments for the free and rational actor who always makes their own decisions is a big part of the reason why people shoo away the idea of trying to enact social changes. You'll constantly hear this from people who say, it doesn't matter if we do blank, blanks are always going to do what they do. You know who else knows that our brains work this way? Corporations that advertise. Many ads have nothing to do with the product. Instead, the commercial is meant to get you to associate their product with positive feelings subliminally. That's why they tell jokes or show people having fun. There's nothing fun about diarrhea. So why is the commercial just people sitting around a party having fun? It's to get you to see their product in Walgreens and think to yourself, oh yeah, this is a good product. And you have no idea why it's a good product.